computer has stopped drilling. We should be getting something now, Dana. Elevated CO2 levels at 20 kilometers, sir. Now you're talking. We've got some new temperatures coming in. All thermal monitoring stations are reporting no further temperature drops. Correction, Doctor. Two equatorial stations are reporting slight increases. Thank you. Thank you all. You've given us what we need. Time. We're glad to be of help, Doctor. The Enterprise will remain in orbit and continue to monitor your progress. The guard out. You've given us what we need. Benson, return to synchronous orbit. Aye, sir. Very clever, Picard. Well done. We always knew how you did it, but to experience the moment, to witness the nuances, it's uh, indescribable. Hello, and welcome to SnapTrack the podcast which compares two episodes of the galaxy's favourite science fiction franchise, Star Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Ross Webster, and I'm joined by Jen Tift. Hello, Jen. What's up, Ross? Hi, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? Are you feeling well? I'm, I'm feeling well. Um, I'm hanging in there. How about you? Anything yeah, new? Yeah, same. Exciting? Little cat on a string. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. I'm not doing too bad. Good. Um, but I am excited. This is a good snap track. Uh, yes. I'm excited to talk about this one. This is going to be fun. Some kind of game? I've never seen that one before. How do you play? During each snap track, we compare the episodes using a variety of categories, and we select a scene or line or alien or prop which we think is excellent, and we award points to the answer which we think is the best. Aggressive. Adversarial. Competition. For fun. Snaptrack is a competition, but it's played just for fun. There are no prizes or trophies. The real aim is to have a great conversation about Star Trek and perhaps think about the episodes in a new way. We would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Snaptrack. Please send us your ideas for episode comparisons and any categories we could use. And of course, send us your Star Trek lyrical recaps or any Star Trek poetry, haiku, limericks or rhymes or verse or anything like that. We all want to hear it. Uh, you can get in touch with me. Uh, Taborg at strtrk1701, also on Twitter, and Jen. And you can reach me on Twitter also. I'm at edatquirks. Okay. In this episode, we are deceived by hucksters <laughs> attempting to defraud us of Starfleet equipment and resources. Silver-tongued con artists use deceit and misdirection to take advantage of our good nature, exploiting us in order to line their pockets. <laughs> awesome. I was lucky enough to watch TNG Series 5, Episode 9, A Matter of Time. And Jen? And I was lucky enough to watch Voyager, Season 6, Episode 21, Live Fast and Prosper. And I like <laughs> this. This is a great comparison. Um, I love the fact that we see the sort of quick-witted con artists, because we don't see this that often in Star Trek but they really were going for it and they were really well done. And I think TV shows now, there's a lot more TV shows that focus on this kind of thing, you know, the con yeah. and, you know, tricking people and right. getting their cash. And But it's nice to see them play this out here as well and see how funny it is and how well it works. Yeah, it's funny too, because you, you mentioned taking advantage of, of our good nature. And yeah, our crews are, are just very good-natured, helpful people. So it makes sense that people would try to 
exploit Absolutely. that and take advantage of that at some point. So. That's not Star Trek, man. That's not Star Trek. That's not Star Trek. That's not the well, world they're not Starfleet, movie. that's for sure. No, they're not. <laughs> oh, but it's fun. Commander, I would like to remind you about my poetry reading this afternoon. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I can't wait to see what he's come up with. As ever, we begin with a lyrical recap of the episode under discussion. Uh, Jen, would you like to give us your lyrical recap for Live Fast and Prosper? Okay. So I have a regular limerick here, and then I have a bonus haiku. Ooh. <laughs> All right, so my limerick for Live Fast and Prosper. A mighty fair trade it will be. It's for the orphans, you see. Now the crew must reclaim the Federation's good name and turn the scammers into the scammies. <laughs> yes, very good, very good. <laughs> and then I have a, a bonus haiku because uh, there's a scene where um, Neelix and Paris pretty much write a haiku. So it's this is basically what they say. <laughs> and oh my God. It, and it's, you found a haiku in the episode. It, it's, it's, cl- it's, it's pretty close. <laughs> yes. Um, so this, is, this haiku is called Easy Marks. Okay. It's for the orphans, the oldest trick in the book. Have we lost our edge? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I remember that scene. I love that scene. So I had to immortalize it in a haiku, even though it didn't cover the whole episode. <laughs> I love when they try and scam the doctor. Oh, it's just so to, great. Just to show like, they've got, they can one up like, him. We still got it, right? Yeah, <laughs> we I definitely it. don't have it. <laughs> no. Oh, I'd love to hear what you have for a matter of time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I've gone long. All right. So yes. you're going to have to forgive this. Um, okay. Oh, God. I'm sort of, I'm already sort of laughing at this because I'm going to have to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's a, it's a singing one. It's a singing Woo-hoo. one. Um, Let's hear okay. it. Let <laughs> me just get on the screen. Oh, God. Okay. This is called Rasmussen. <laughs> okay. Aboard the Enterprise, travelling to Penthara for up his burling, half the deceitful inventor. He's travelled to the past, he's just here to take a look, but that's not the truth, he's in fact a temporal crook. Down below the planet's quickly freezing, what's the Enterprise to do? Instigate geothermal engineering, releasing CO2. Nice. Ra ra Rasmussen stole somebody's time machine. He's not a prop, he's pulling a con. Ra ra Rasmussen won't be going home again. He was arrested and the time part is gone. Many lives at stake and it's troubling Picard. He asked the time traveler to tell him what will transpire. Could alter history, Berlinghoff won't get involved. He's here to witness how the situation is resolved. But he steved a Dactag and a phaser while Geordi fixed up the ozone. <laughs> and he also tried to kidnap Data to tout him as his own. Rah, rah, Rasmussen stole somebody's time machine. He's not a prof, he's pulling a con. Rah, rah, Rasmussen won't be going home again. He was arrested and the time part is gone. Ta da! Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> I've spent way too long doing that. That was incredible. Oh my god, I've oh. been singing Ra Ra Rasputin all week. And I was convinced <laughs> I was gonna say Rasputin all the way through that. <laughs> oh, I can picture the television series of this, like <laughs> the adventures. Yes. Yes. I I I would in an ideal world, I'd have had two other people singing this with me, just to really make it work. When it when it's the when it's the theme tune for the episode. Yes, oh, I love it. Okay, well, let's move done. quickly on to oh, the end of the well Where are we going for our first, our very first uh, round? What say you, Jen? All right. So for our first round. All right, let's start with our uh, our grifters. What's their what's their cover story here? What are they? Uh, <laughs> okay. What are they trying to sell us here? <laughs> what about for a matter of time? What's the cover story? So the cover story is so there's a great first scene where the pod just appears and it's just a standard temporal anomaly. It's just appeared out of nowhere. They pause. The Enterprise crew pauses what they're doing for a second just to check out the anomaly. And uh, Picard is asked to move, literally to move to one side, so Berlin, Professor Berlinghoff Rasmussen can appear on the on the bridge, <laughs> which is the greatest character name of all time. It's massive. It's <laughs> such a huge name, Professor Berlinghoff Rasmussen from New Jersey. <laughs> You're never gonna Google that and get anyone else. That's the only from New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> From the, the 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 New Jersey Rasmussen's. Oh, I love it! It's so funny. <laughs> so he is a historian from the 26th century who specialises <laughs> in 24th century interstellar events, and he's travelled back in time approximately 300 years to study the crew of the Enterprise D and witness how they manage the unfolding ecological crisis on Penthara Four. There are a few questionnaires he'd like you to fill in. <laughs> And what do you think is the most important invention in the last 200 years? He's always ready with a quip or a strange-sounding question, uh, usually to distract from what's really being asked or what's really going on. He's good at this. And (laughs) as soon as the crisis has passed, he must return to his own time. And it was lovely and still exciting, despite knowing exactly how it would play out. (laughs) (laughs) So he is... he's essentially covered as a, a professor of history who's travelled back in time to, wit- to witness these events uh, in, in person and just to ask the small questions that no one ever picks up on, like, where, do you re- where did you sit during these meetings and how tall were you? Um, all stuff that you don't really know the answer to in history, but he's, he's keen to find out. Oh, what a character he is. He's... he's- He's extremely funny and extremely personable. I was just reading before this that he was written for Robin Williams. I heard that. I, which made sense to me. Yeah. I, 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 I like, I love them both, you know. Uh, but I, th- I think this works better because I think it, 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 it's less, I, I, can't, I can't imagine Robin Williams not giving away the fact that it, it, he's a like shucks, shuckster, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of funny voices as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I love the way Matt Fuhrer plays it uh, here. It, his little—it's so funny, right? He has a little quip about everything to make it seem yeah. legit. Like he's, 
really good just, at. Just, let's not talk about what I'm doing here. Let's talk about yeah. where you. Do you always sit there? Right, right. <laughs> He's pacing across the Enterprise Bridge to see how long it is. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely a detail someone's got stored away somewhere. That that is that is genuine information you must have already. Oh, that's but it's a... just because he's trying to put on a show of being interested right. in what's going on when really he's not interested in what's going on. And pretend and pretending that he knows yeah. what's everything that's happening, which he says, uh, my my favorite line is I, I say this all the time. Just because it cracks me up so much, he goes, "The forge remained below," <laughs> like a knowing voice, <laughs> as if like that's an important historical part <laughs> of the event that happened. <laughs> and it kills me every time because the, the, the hubris of, of that, you know, when we know he's just bullshitting. <laughs> he has no idea it's what's going to happen. So great. It's time for you to return to the ship, Miss LaForge. Mr. O'Brien, stand by to transport. Excuse me, Captain, but I can be of a lot more help down here. We're going to have to compensate for the density variations right up to the last second. Dr. Mosley's computers can accomplish the same task, sir, but I believe Geordi would be better able to anticipate unexpected variances. Mr. Forge, you know better than anyone that there's no guarantee that this will work. And if it fails... There's no guarantee it's going to fail, Captain. I'd like your permission to remain here on the surface. Permission granted. La Forge remain below. That is good. La Forge remain below. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my favorite. Yeah, so he's, I mean, he's, uh, what, he's a very good huckster. I, it's implied at the end that this is his first time travel um grift well, it, is, it is implied but he's definitely been a grifter before before this yeah. this might be a new it, con inventor. <laughs> yeah quote unquote yes. but that's not that is just a, that's a that's isn't that just slang for person doesn't have a job at the moment right like what do you, i'm yes. an inventor I'm, I'm making something up right and i did think if he was if he was really an inventor and this was his plan surely he should have just you've got a time machine just invent that that's what you should invent. Right. <laughs> you don't need to go anywhere else to get anything else. Yeah. Just invent that. Yeah, there's got to be all kinds of stuff in the computer workings of that shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> Henry, Starling, Henry Starling managed to do it. Right, in, uh, yes. In, what's it called? Past Future's the End, yeah. Future's End. Yeah. That's right. If he had just gone that, that direction, he could have yeah. been, you know, the multi-billionaire... <laughs> I mean, 22nd century. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose the problem with this is that Henry Starling's ship was from the 29th century. So perhaps all the yeah. all the technology in the 26th century had already been invented. <laughs> the, all, everything you could reverse engineer from it had already right, been created. Right, right. But then what good would anything from the 20, 24th century be? Right. Anyway, we could go down this temporal rabbit hole forever. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was that was Professor Berlinghoff Rasmussen. Yeah. Um, and he had the he had the cojones to pull off being a professor, yes. and to 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 look down at people, and even when somebody doesn't like him very much, where he obviously knows that Troy is, thinks he's quite sus, and he just calls it out right to her face. You don't like me, do you? But he thinks he can thinks he can just win around with a, like a, a smile and a, a funny story. Yeah, and he did. He did the same thing uh, that that he always does. He, he oh, they told me that Picard's empath wouldn't like me. <laughs> <As> if, like, <laughs> that was actually a thing, you know. 
yeah and and deanna's not uh falling for any of his nonsense no, but she still doesn't understand she does she still doesn't get you know what what's happening she just knows that he's deceitful no and because uh, it is suppose- it's a pretty good con you, yeah, you get mean, people to you know answer all these questions about what they think is you know historical <laughs> for him, but it's really telling him I mean, all his, the things he should steal. <laughs> his, pretty his, good his real mistake was not just being upfront about it and saying, "I'd like to take some historical samples with me." Right? Is there yes. anything you could just give me? You yes. know, because he his his for the his, museum. Yeah, he he's made a criminal because he thinks like a criminal. Yeah, he yeah. you know he should steal it rather than if he just said, "I'd really love to, you know if you give me one of these antique hyper sprays and an antique pad, I'd, I'd love that. That'd be great." Yeah, you're the right. They just handed it out. You could have gotten away with it. Yeah, I mean, he probably couldn't have gotten a copy of Geordie's visor. That's true. Uh, <laughs> and he, and stealing data probably definitely was a no. Right, right. <laughs> Anyway, that is that is Mr. That is uh, Professor Rasmussen. Oh, Who do we have? Character. What's the cover story for the the Hucksters uh, in Live Fast and Prosper? Okay, so obviously their their biggest cover story uh, in the episode is that of stealing the identity of <laughs> Captain Janeway <laughs> and Tuvok and Chakotay, and which they do almost accurately. <laughs> In a, in a brilliant uh in a brilliant way uh we meet them in in which is one of my all-time favorite cold opens uh, yeah. these people who look like the funhouse mirror version of janeway <laughs> and tuvok claiming to be them their costumes are a little bit off in a lot of ways which is fun. The 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 communicator badges are too big and the, the pips love i love the the big pips really get me i love those you know the uniform's a little bit rumpled and it's not you know it seems like it's a different material you know but but it's passable (laughs) and uh they get really into the cosplay of it all they're cosplayers basically i love it and they know details like she she talks about how about growing up in indiana even and and the the man pretending to be tuvok uh you know does the vulcan mannerisms and gives i'm not sure he's i think he wants to become tuvok i think that guy he he's very much into vulcan uh, society yes mobar ends up getting really into it which is (laughs) funny throughout the whole episode there there's so many great little um things like he he seems to know a lot about the a lot more about the federation than he would strictly need to for the con, you know, he seems to be really yeah. into it. And, I mean, also, I think he, I think he thinks that they actually, oh, they're, they're good, honest people. And then yeah. he's trying to like portray that. And right. then he, he should be good and honest then to portray that. Right. At one point he even says like, well, maybe we should just surrender to them. The Federations treat their prisoners really well. Because <laughs> 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 he's just so into it, which is just so funny. And then he gets to meet his hero, Tuvok, which is funny at the end. We'll talk about that yeah. later. But, uh, but yeah, so it, you know, in general, they're just their con is to to uh, impersonate people who who seem trustworthy, you know, to tr- to try uh, because there are other there are other costumes they're pretending to be clerics, re- religious figures, yeah. Sister Dala and Brother Mobar, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and they say things like "May the deities bless you," you know, and. Um, and in general, the con is just, we'll get you, we'll, we'll act as though we're people who are worthy of trust so that when we 
make a deal with you, you give us the benefit of the doubt. And, and, and in both, in both instances, they, they say it's, you know, for the orphans, which I always get a kick out of for the orphans. <laughs> it's for the children, you know? Um, and it gets, you know, that gets, that really gets Neelix, obviously. We'll talk about yeah. that later. But um, so, but, but these people are funny and, and it seems to, it seems to work. It works. Um, you know, later on we see they, they managed to, uh, to, to scam people from seven planets, seven different worlds full of, you know, <laughs> full of things based on pretending to be Federation Starfleet officers. Um, from seven different planets. I mean, yeah. That's, so that's they crazy. just, they're just going through the, the sector, uh, running this grift and getting whatever they can and, and uh yeah and it seems to be working <laughs> until until it gets back to Janeway and, <laughs> and she's obviously not having it but um but they're funny and they're really I wonder if they're they're really genuinely good. is a sorry I wonder if they genuinely is a, like a sister Dala and a sister and a brother mobile I wonder if that if that's a real thing as well or if they've I, I was wondering that too that like do they do they just go from identity to identity <laughs> Yeah, but I think but Dahl and Mobar are their real real names too. So I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wonder, but I wonder, yeah, or just just they probably have like a bunch of different aliases that they've been, oh, that they randomly do, and then but then they came across this great Federation one, <laughs> and even 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 their ship is cosplaying as the Delta Flyer. Yeah. <laughs> they can call it the Delta Flyer because <laughs> that yeah. one makes a good con, right? All the details. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, uh, that, it's it's so funny, funny then when a, when a, uh, an alien is tra- attempting to join the Federation, quote unquote. <laughs> yes. He's looking around their ship and he's like, your ship doesn't look particularly advanced. <laughs> it looks, you know, it looks like about the same as my ship. Yeah. It's like, oh, show them the mothership. Right, right. And that is that is clever. Yeah. And that's what that's all they needed was to get all the, the information from the database. And, and that's really all, you know, because they do appear trustworthy, they could get. <laughs> oh, and, and of course they put then they pulled the thing on them like, oh well, we don't know when we'll, we're going to be back in this sector. I mean, I guess we yeah, can swing we're, by we're if you decide. Yeah. yeah, think about it and decide in a few months. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 we're ready. We're going to join. <laughs> we're going to join the Federation. <laughs> but and Janeway's um, funny. She's like, oh, too bad we didn't think of that. <laughs> you know, we, we could yeah, have, we think we were all the way through. <laughs> so, but but they they seem to be clever experienced con artists that have just found a really good new grift. Yeah. Well, they a new, a new cover on an old grift. <laughs> that, that's the difference, isn't it? They're, they are looking for a con to play out. Right. And they're trying to like find the best way to carry on doing what they're already doing. Right. Whereas Rasmussen, he's just lucked into something which is way, way right, beyond right. what he would normally have. Yes. And he's decided to turn it into a a con yeah you know who knows whether he was genuinely a you know what he was like beforehand <laughs> presumably not the kind of fellow you'd want to get involved with yeah it gets a little dark because it, it it implies that he basically killed the real time traveler and took his it, stuff it does imply that it doesn't say explicitly <laughs> they don't say it but something happened to him yeah it's like you know he, he realized his time machine works and suffered a crim- yeah. crippling heart attack <laughs> uh, yeah, who knows what happened, but it does seem he does say he had the misfortune to run into me. I was like, mm, yeah, damn. and he, t- he even took his clothes, man. That's that's harsh. 
Did he take his clothes? Yeah, so he said it says his clothes. At one point, does he say like his clothes fit surprisingly well or something like that? Oh, God, I don't yeah, remember that. I think when he's talking to clothes. Data. He's which... wearing his futuristic clothes. <laughs> so it's probably made out of futuristic materials, you know. Yeah, fits you just right. Oh, man. Or maybe it's like the Back to the Future clothes that like fit to you when you press the button. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what they could do in the twenty. The beginning century. of programmable, programmable matter. Exactly. Yeah. Gently snugs into you. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, his con is very specific. He has a very specific purpose that mm. he wants to fulfill. He wants to get these futuristic devices that he can quote unquote, you know, invent and make money. Versus our friends in live live fast and prosper are just general grifter con artists shucksters who you know basically try to get whatever they can because they get we'll talk about it later but they get a bunch of different things from they do you know, they're, they're not after one specific thing they're just grifting through life until <laughs> i don't know when <laughs> i don't know oh, what their end game is if there is one okay where are your points going for best cover story <sighs> oh they're all great there, uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a great idea to become Starfleet officers. I mean, that really is someone that you can trust. But, that, know, that, it is, but also because they're traveling and they're moving yeah, and wandering, they're yeah. always moving along. So it's nice to say, hey, we may have heard about us. We're the, right, uh, right. the Starfleet officers who are traveling back to our home world, and we'll never come back. So this right. is the one this time we'll ever meet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Which and is, they, is yeah, and that's where all the little details help too, because mm. you know when people talk about meeting them, all the details are the same, you know. So, so that's a great idea, and and it makes sense. Uh, I have a soft spot for for our uh, professor <laughs> Berlinoff Rasmussen from New Jersey. <laughs> so, all my points go in there because he's just such a he's a he's a great villain because he's just. Oh, I, he's just a, he's got a I don't know how to describe it. He's got like a singular vision a, on what he's doing job. and oh, he's he's charming. he's charming. He's charming but in a way like like there's a reason that Troy and Crusher are the ones that that they don't you know they obviously don't figure out his con but they're also the ones who aren't fooled by him they're not fooled by him yeah because he's he's got a bit of a lean a little bit i think she starts to sway uh, he's smarmy though i don't think she oh he's smarmy definitely yeah like like with those scenes with crusher like she she's interested and when she thinks not in him romantically but she's interested in the fact that he's from the future like that's cool you know so she, she like invites him over you know but she's also as as a man as a person she's on to him as, as, yeah. as who he is and you know which is funny to funny scene to, to watch those scenes you know and and it's funny seeing for me seeing troy and crusher um having basically the same feelings about this guy but coming at it from two different ways <laughs> troy's just like i want nothing to do with you man <laughs> and crusher's like i'm gonna play with you because you're fun to, <laughs> to play with you know <laughs> but um, she doesn't trust him either you know she might have there might have been there might like be a spark there but she's also not stupid i, you know? I think there is a spark there. i think so too she, nothing would happen because yeah. she's white because she, she she's yeah and he is just slight and i think everybody exactly. nobody is 100 percent on him from the get-go yeah 
Picard is willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, so everyone gives him the benefit of the doubt. Right, yes. But that doubt remains. It right. never really goes away. <laughs> and Worf and, and Riker just don't want to have to fill out surveys. No, so I think we got right. enough work to do. <laughs> Worf does not want to deal with this. This is like the worst nightmare. Some, someone's come out of the future so we can do a oh, test for them. So Worf, no. Um, so, yeah, my point's going there. He's, he's just, he's great. <laughs> Okay, one point to Burlinghoff. Yes. Um, I think I just love the audacity of portraying to be somebody else who's real. So although he's pretending to be a professor from the 26th century, we have no idea whether that is the that is the actual person whom, you know, the actual time traveler. We have no idea what they were. They could have just been an engineer working on a a time travel device. Mm -hmm. Or they could have had another motivation entirely. And they've just purchased a time pod and they're using it for some other reason. Um, and I, that's interesting. But I do, I love the idea that the, the Live Fast and Prosper crew are taking on Voyager's identity and t- pretending to be them. <laughs> I really like that. I think it's funny. I think yeah. it's original. It's such a nice, such a nice take on a Star Trek story as well. So I'm going to give my point to them because I just think their cover story is. It's very ambitious. It's so I like it. It is ambitious. And it, and I didn't see it coming. I remember, this is why I love that cold so much, because I just remember, I have a vivid memory of the first time seeing that. And and like, it's like, are we in a parallel universe? Yeah. Or, or like, what is the situation? And just, and just, you know, sitting through the credits, be like, oh, please credits go by fast, because I need to know what's <laughs> happening here. You know, what is this? And then we find, you find out that they're just the, these uh, con artists, just in Impersonating our crew, and it's like, oh man, that's a pretty good uh, game you got going there. You know what? That, that's a con as well because we we're, we're looking at is it an alternate future? Is yeah. it reality? <laughs> you know the clones. This what nothing is nothing happening. Like, it's just a classic old it's school just, con. Yep. You know, it's identity theft, <laughs> right. which could be happening on Earth right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not a sci-fi. I was going to to like all these different sci-fi explanations <laughs> yeah. for it, and I got you're right. I got con too. They conned yeah. me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh man, that's great. I never thought of it like that. <laughs> oh, they're these characters are all awesome. <laughs> they good. They good. Well, now right. now we've looked at our um our our con artists and their cover stories. Let's look at their mark. Mm. Who is the mark? <laughs> okay, so we have. Oh man! So we we see them um, run scams on the Bolomite miners, yeah, and two different warring species <laughs> that I don't think they're na- they're ever named. They might be, but I, I didn't catch them. No, although um, one of, the one we see is enormous. Yeah, and it's we mad. and we find out later that they've their marks have been on seven different worlds total uh, but but the mark that that's the most interesting is of course our own dear <laughs> neelix and tom paris <laughs> who get conned into uh taking this a faulty heating coil uh from sister dala and brother mobar <laughs> in the sanctuary <laughs> oh and it, re- it plays up and wreaks havoc on the entire ship yeah it, it starts in 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 in, in uh, starts infecting all kinds of systems on the ship. Um, Never download software or install anything without right. knowing the provenance of the, you know, 
Everyone should know this. Yeah, I mean, Neelix, how could you not run some diagnostic yeah. tests before you plug this thing in? No That's wonder we never see a basic. ship going in. It could be riddled with viruses. <laughs> basic 101. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, but it's so, but, 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 so they're con, so they, they're in this cave, they're looking for some kind of mold spores or, you know, some whatever mission they have, and and they come across these two dressed in, you know, religious garb and and they call themselves clerics and they and they speak in in soft tones, you know, that they were they're meditating and and uh, and obviously, you know, Neelix ambassador Neelix <laughs> it takes that very seriously. So and you could tell that I mean from the get-go, he's you know, he's very respectful of everybody. You know, Neil Neelix is, is someone you you want to have when, in normal situations where you're not being conned when you're <laughs> meeting people. Yeah. Uh, but um, but so and, you know, and and they uh they suck up to him. You know, they tell him that he looks like the re- the redeemer of life <laughs> that they're worshiping or whatever it is. <laughs> and Neelix likes that, you know. And uh, and and you, you know, you have Neelix on board too. Like when, like I, I mentioned, I mentioned the the orphans that. You know, and and oh, when she, once they said the orphans, Neelix is basically like, oh, I'm going to give you whatever you want, <laughs> you know? whatever you need for the children. <laughs> oh, so they knew exactly uh, how how to how to get how to get Neelix on board. So they get they end up getting a bunch of uh, food uh from them they trade you know they're, they're like oh you know we can donate all the all these all this food and and um and this is what makes it makes a good con too is is there's like oh no we can't take charity you know and then that 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 puts a little bit more on it too you know um like oh no 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 we couldn't we, we can't accept charity it's against our religion and and it's like okay then how about a trade and that's what they get they give up all the the food supplies to get this heating coil, this faulty heating coil, um, but uh, but the, but then they get even more, you know. Uh, they get Neelix yakking, <laughs> which it takes. It's just easy, like anyone can get Neelix yeah. yakking. Just tell it anything you want to hear, right? And and when he <laughs> and the, exactly, and then when he uh, when he starts yakking about you know Captain Janeway and the Federation and everything, and then they. And then that's probably when they get the idea, like, oh, maybe we, we should download their <laughs> their computer, you know, their databases, and, and and you know, get more details about it. And and the the thing that I like is is Brother Mobar has this um, this like green glowing green uh, like. I don't know. It's a device that he wears around his neck, and it looks like a you know some kind of religious icon. But it's really the device that he used to download download the uh, the thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because he 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 plays up with it really nice. Like he 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 like holds it when he's praying, you know, fake praying, and he like like gives them a blessing with it, which is really funny. Um, so you know, so Neelix and Paris fell for that. They 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 closed their eyes during the the blessing, the quote unquote blessing, and that's when they had their chance to get it. Um, we also so that that's the mark. That those are the mark. Neelix and Paris. Oh, uh, I feel bad for them because they did get properly conned, and it's not just did. the fact that they conned. It's the fact that we then have to go through scenes of them dealing with that, dealing with that sort of disbelief that they would be conned and then them trying to con someone else you yep. know the yeah, we've got other marks yeah 
that's right. The Marks and the B plus. They they try to get the EMH, and the EMH gets them, so they become the Mark again until the very end. And (laughs) that that plot adds nothing to the story. There's no need for that. It's just a funny funny. bit, and it's so funny that they like. Oh man, how did we how did we fall for that? And and it's it's nice to see them. You know, see see some. Some of the the you know fallout from from you know that happening from getting con because it does I can imagine if you got con like that you would you oh absolutely you'd oh, feel bad you would be fixating on that like playing back everything oh, for that ages. happens like, for ages yeah. for, if I just done this or just done that I'd be thinking of it all the time yeah and then the the you know the alien the uh, the bolomite miner guy comes and he's like could they have really been so naive you know like how did they how could they have fallen yeah. for that and, and, and it is like oh why and is like, he oh, saying that bad enough already two bucks like that's a legitimate question from Tuvok, which is great and they get Tuvok too Tuvok's a mark in a, in a little um a little holodeck fun because yes. uh, they, there's a little throwaway <laughs> bit where he's he says that uh, he, uh the oracle of oh what was it the oracle of something or other doesn't wear pajamas <laughs> <laughs> and then and Paris and and uh, Kim are, are, are totally deadpan like oh it wasn't us we have no idea <laughs> maybe it's part of the system wide failures we have no idea <laughs> and they're talking about like maybe sombrero next time which is <laughs> just so <laughs> I love that. That's the kind of that's the kind of level of pranking that I like. You know, like a non harmful, just like, but needs like, some effort. Yeah, like, and that's fun. Like, that's funny. Like, if I had like an exercise program, and like every time I went in there, you know, the 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 instructor was wearing a ridiculous costume. Like, that'd be funny. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. guys. Like, that's funny. And, and computer. <laughs> cause like, and then all I have to do is say, computer restore original image. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But it, oh, it's so funny. So we have a lot of marks actually, but it looks like but Neelix and Paris are at the center of all of it, and and it's funny because the, their marks like you we can tease them like oh how could you have been naive and fall for it? But it's also they they're the marks they fell for it because they're you know they think the best of people and they're and they want to help people and they were you know so they they didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> No, they, they were good. They were good people, and they got conned. And that's how it works. And, and but uh, and they and they had they had you know feelings and <laughs> and uh, re- reflections on it. And and then they uh, at the end they got their mojo back, conning the EMH. It's good for yes. them. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. For. For a matter of time, I'm just going to keep this brief because this is for me Rasmussen's biggest mistake, and it really sort of demonstrates he's done no research into what he's trying yeah. to do. Um, because the mark he picked was the crew of the Enterprise D, right? And he was never going to outsmart them, right? That, that was never going to happen. Um, everyone is dubious at his story from the outset, but they do sort of. If it's harmless, if he's just going to be here witnessing, that's harmless enough. Right. We'll just let it go. Troy obviously feels like he's holding back, and Rasmussen recognizes this and tries to play it off as if she dislikes him. When really she doesn't dislike him; she doesn't trust him, right? Because she knows that something is off. Um, 
And that's his gift. He's able to keep people at arm's length who are going to find him out and talk to people and keep them keep people interested while finding information out if they are interested in him. So that's his gift. Um, they do the whole Star Trek thing and they take him at his word and they fill yeah. out the questionnaires. But as soon as give things start, yeah, they give him some nice, they give him a nice room. But as soon as things start going missing, they check him out. Yeah. Um, and the entire bridge crew shows up, and there's no way that Resmussen was going to outsmart the coordinated TNG bridge crew. Right. So, in my opinion, he made a mistake because he could have gone anywhere in the 24th century. He didn't have to go to this point. He could have turned up somewhere anonymously. He could have turned up on Earth in the 24th century anonymously and just gone around stealing things and gone back, yeah. to, his, gone back to his ship. That's true. He could have gone around buying things or replicating things. He, he didn't have to do this. He made it a crime where it didn't have to be a crime. It could have been a genuine research proposal and genuinely of gathering stuff, which he could have just had. And then he could have left and taken it back in time if that's what he wanted to do. I imagine... I imagine the the real mark is him because if he just spent even a few hours on Earth in the 24th century, he'd have probably thought, I'll just stay here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need money. Everything I want is going to be catered for. Yeah. The future's amazing. Um fantastic. What a what a great thing to do. And maybe yeah. he would be famous for being a man who traveled forward in time in a time machine. Right. Could have told him anything. I found this time machine. Yeah. I found it. Uh, who knows what would have happened but he decided to commit a crime you know and for all this lofty technology he had he brought it down to just a really basic sort of petty theft which was a shame because he was never going to outsmart the TNG bridge crew they were always going to see through this and they were always going to be able to do something about it well you know and then in the beginning too it's I can see why they gave him the benefit of the doubt in the beginning because there legitimately was a, a temporal disturbance. He literally, you know, he, he legitimately showed up in a vehicle like they'd never seen before, you know. Yeah. So it, those two things would be very difficult to fake. And I, I wouldn't automatically go in my brain to, well, maybe he's... Uh, you know, from the past is of the future, and he stole the future guy's time machine. That's not, you know, that's not like a story that you would automatically jump to to thinking happened. Um, so I understand them, and and again too, like that's the the Enterprise is good. That's what they do. They give people the benefit of the the doubts. Literally anyone who ever shows up on the Enterprise just gets these fabulous quarters and gets treated like you know, (laughs) like like an honored guest, and that's just what happens. It's just how they roll. And also, um, at the end of the series, they're back in time, explain to people that they're from the future, in fact, and they're here to yeah. do something else. The, the story's reversed in Time's Arrow. Yeah. So the same sort of thing happens again. Yeah. But I, I think, and, and there's, I mean, I think and he could have gotten away with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if he hadn't been greedy, he could have yeah. gotten away with it. Oh, man. But yeah, and then at the end... Like once they were on to him, then it was, the, the, I, and they had a really good plan, you know, of of, you know, getting him to, o- you know, the, getting him to open the door so that the, mm-hmm. the computer could neutralize everything that he that he had, and and then getting it, getting everything out that way, um, you know, was it was a good plan, and they executed it, and 
and everyone knew what was going on. You know, Data's Data wasn't worried that he had a phaser pointed at him. <laughs> no, uh, and that was. I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk about the the ending. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was. It is actually a moment of extreme quick thinking for Rasmussen as well, yeah. but um, it, he was just never going to. He was never going to deal with it. He he no, doesn't have all the variables to hand. He's turned up with a. He's got this time machine and he's got the truth on his side. But he's he's picked a group of people who are excellent at what they do and have dealt with this kind of thing before. This this isn't really that. You know, it's unusual. <laughs> but it's not so unusual, like they can't figure out what's really going on. Yeah, because at the end of the day, um, you're right. He's just a petty theft. That's yeah. he's just a petty thief. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's not really outsmarting these guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where's your points going for the mark? Oh man. Yeah. So the Enterprise D crew get, gets conned, but then they they figure it out before. Yeah. It's too late. So yeah. I'm going to give my points to poor Neelix in Paris who legitimately got conned. Got this bum heating coil <laughs> from these fake clerics <laughs> um, and, and trusted them so much that they brought them onto the Delta flyer and, <laughs> and broke bread with them. And, <laughs> and the con, they were true, true patsies. So oh, they were patsies. They were, and, uh, and that's it as well. Because the mark, <laughs> I'm giving my point to live fast and prosper as well. Yeah. The, the TNG bridge crew were never really a mark. That they, they were a mistake. That, but Rasmussen had not really figured out where he was going or why he should be doing things. He going to the going to the Enterprise bridge crew and trying to steal things off them was never <laughs> ever going to work. So he he made a fool of himself. Yep. Okay. So we've got our cover story and we've got our mark. What's the score? Mm, okay. Well, we see in Live, Fast, and Prosper, we see this whole cave full of goodies from <laughs> seven different worlds. And like I said earlier, it looks like they're they're just trying to get whatever they can get. They don't have a particular plan they're not they're not gathering just whatever the orphans made just whatever the orphans require exactly <laughs> whatever will help those poor children <laughs> um yeah like like they, they get food from from voyagers what they get they get 10 kilotons of bolomite when they say kilotons yeah is that futuristic kind of time yeah <laughs> <laughs> and bolomite is made up for this episode so i don't know what bolomite does they, they pretend that they have no use for bolomite um and you know until uh fake tuvok says oh but we could use it to help the orphans you know <laughs> and so that's right the orphans <laughs> So I don't know what that'll get you, but uh, that seemed like like a decent score. The species that they trick into joining the quote unquote federation um, just says it, it. They don't. We don't specify what they get. They just say uh, that it's going to take considerable resources to join the federation, and, and the guy says, "I'll, I'll do whatever's necessary." <laughs> so you can imagine that they got a whole bunch of good stuff from from them too. Um, and their biggest score is, is honestly Voyager's database. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, they use this database 
to impersonate the crew, but it looks there's probably a lot of great info in there that you could sell to people, like technical yeah. diagrams and stuff. Because um, Voyage has been very explicit about not sharing yeah, information, yeah, you know, not breaking your prime directive, which of course they would happily do. Right. So I mean that that's probably the most valuable thing that they got, and they weren't even really using it to its full advantage. Um, so it's a pretty it's a pretty good haul. They got a pretty good haul. Um, the EMH got a score off of uh, <laughs> uh, Neelix and, pa- and Paris trying to con him, and he got Neelix to do three ships in sick bay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so he got a score too. Um, but yeah, so it, lo- it looks like th- this con, like I said, their their con is just, I think they're just doing what they can to survive and, and getting whatever they can um trying to you know trying to make it just work make some money and get it, yeah just get us whatever they can and then i guess i'll sell, sell, it. sell it yeah and then do that use that to fund their next con <laughs> you know um so they're that's just who they are that's their grifters and but they had a they had a nice little cave full of their their spoils so <laughs> <laughs> what, what about in a matter of time well he didn't have a cave full of spoils <laughs> He had a tray full of spoils. <laughs> so essentially, he's looking for technology from the 24th century that he can steal and then claim to have invented in the 22nd century in order to turn a profit. Yeah, I so- did wonder about the, the timings of this because by the 22nd century, was was money still a thing? Were, were we living in that, that post-Gersey society? Or was he just doing it for the notoriety? Who knows? Um, but he was stealing stuff so he could use it to pretend that he was going that he had invented it. He stole a whole bunch of stuff. So you can, if you look through the episode, it doesn't specify exactly what he's stolen. Stole a phaser, a pad, a couple of ice linear chips. He stole Geordie's <laughs> visor. Must be a must be a spare because uh, Geordie does. I think Geordie is there wearing yeah. a visor. A hyper spray. Um, stole a Klingon Dactarg, the dagger. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. So I thought, would that? Would you need to steal that? Is that not how? How much technology is really in that? Or well, maybe she liked funny. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest score would have been data. If he'd stolen right, data, right. that would have been the, the 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 big the big steal. I think he'd have had a hard time passing it off as he invented that because it obviously doesn't seem like he's really got the ability to demonstrate that. Suddenly, a man out of the middle of nowhere invents an android, uh, a sentient android who is capable of telling you that this isn't true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that would have been very, very hard for him to pull off. Yeah, I think if he had succeeded in stealing data, I think that would have been more trouble than it was worth. Yeah, that would <laughs> have been data, data's not going to comply with this dude. <laughs> no. But. Um... Um, the the biggest thing is the time pod itself. Yeah. Does he really need to be looting items from the 24th century <laughs> when he has 26th century tech to hand? Right. Maybe it's too complex to sort of reverse engineer. Um, but it's it's right there. There's nothing that he's going to get from the Enterprise that he couldn't that he couldn't definitely get from from there. It looked pretty sparse in there, though. I, I mean. You have the material that it's made out of and the computer that runs it. Yeah. You know, but the, the, but, I mean, it's, it's a time machine. Yeah. <laughs> it, has, it has sensor blocking technology. Yeah. Doors yeah. that materialize out of nowhere. 
presumably there's some information in there about knowing where to go, unless it was a preset coordinate that he was just randomly didn't know where he was going. But he did say he spent time figuring out where, you know, how it worked and setting a coordinate. So presumably there's some information in there about the history of the future, which, which he's using. But then why does he choose this moment to arrive? It just, yeah, it's so strange. Yeah, and and you know, like we were talking about the future Zen. If he was smarter, as you know, as smart as the guy in Future Zen, he might have been able to yeah. reverse engineer a bunch of stuff. But I, I think, and that's why he has them fill out those questionnaires, and he asks for schematics and and, yeah, and yeah. you know, and, and diagrams and all all kinds of stuff that shows how this stuff works, so he can quote unquote invent one. Invent it to himself. <laughs> himself yeah. um, versus the time machine, which he probably just sees as a means to acquire what he needs. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's just being very short-sighted. Yeah. I, I, I don't, think, he's, I don't really... think he's particularly intelligent. I think he's just a good... He, he's a pretty decent liar and con yeah. man, but I don't think he's particularly... He yeah he, he's 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 got the gift of the gab yes yes but <laughs> his the the actual plan itself seems very very ill thought out <laughs> and is not executed very well because if your plan is to go somewhere and steal stuff it's not like the plan was even to to cleverly steal it or covertly steal it it's just to steal it <laughs> just to steal it and put it in your ship <laughs> and that that is not that's not a good plan. <laughs> Um, so his 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 score is twenty fourth century technology, which surprises me given that he already has access to twenty sixth century technology. <laughs> but so, not it, anything you like. That little ring, like that thing he keeps looking at. Yeah, well, What's I think that? that was just his watch because he, he knew. Just... I think it was his watch, and he knew that his ship was gonna was set to disappear oh, at a certain what? time. So he didn't, you know, I think he's just obsessively checking his watch. Mm. That's what I thought. Okay. I thought that was like, I, I thought that was part of the time machine, like, you know, oh. checking it to make sure. Maybe it was just his watch. Because oh. that, it, it was my, like, to me, him being obsessed with checking his watch throughout the episode. So let, he didn't miss it. So he didn't miss it. And then when he missed it, it was all that more like, like. Oh, yeah, like really tragic. Savage. Yeah, yeah, savage is a good word for it. Because I don't particularly feel like like he's a bad dude, but uh, but uh, but still, every time that ship disappears, I'm like, <gasps> you know? yeah. Because I mean, we'll talk about this, but oh, yeah, we'll talk that's, about that's it. a lot. Yeah, that's a yeah, lot yeah. We'll talk there. about it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it was a pretty good sc- that that was a pretty good score to get all that yeah. all that goodie all those goodies. Yeah, I mean, all if right. I got if I got all those goodies, I'd be pretty pleased. Yeah, I'd be I'd be pleased with just one of them. I don't even care which one. <laughs> <laughs> But all right, where are your points going? Um, so I mean that, and that's it. The, the The score is so all the stuff that Rasmussen actually took is all the stuff I want. So <laughs> I, I, I'd happily have all of that stuff. And yes. like, oh, yeah, one of these would look good. I don't. I wouldn't even try and reverse engineer. I'm happy just to have it and yes, put it on my desk. Same. Whereas I've got no use for lots of bolomite. <laughs> I, I, I just. <laughs> I just don't need it. Donate it to the orphans, man. <laughs> I guess. I guess. 
and I suppose it's selfish of me to say that I'm going to give my point to a matter of time. I'm giving my point to a matter of time also because uh, not just as that that's more stuff I would want, but also because it, that's definitely the more valuable score would yes. be to have all this stuff, go back in time and invent one a year, like he says he's, he's planning yeah. on doing. That's very valuable. That that makes him one of the most richest men in the world, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as we call in Future Zen. Um, versus, um, but I but I mean, the, the Live Fast and Prosper score, I mean, they've got a whole cave full of, 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 uh, of stuff they got. They're very successful criminals, um, you know? Like they got yeah. a whole bunch of good stuff. Um, but I don't think any of it was anywhere near as valuable as the score that um, no. Rasmussen, Rasmussen could have uh, could have gotten if he was a little. No, a little absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, my point's going there too. So after three rounds, we're on three points each. Tied up. I love Tied it. Tied up. <laughs> okay, where are we going for? Round four. Okay, a lot of mind games in these episodes, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's go to our moment of quick thinking. Okay, so Rasmussen is very quick thinking and is very cool under pressure. And we've mentioned when he knows that Deanna Troy isn't isn't fully on board with this and he you know very quickly deals with it in a sort of uh you don't like me but that's okay i will get on with each other he knows how to <laughs> deal with people and he knows how to sort of quickly respond to sort of a mildly hostile environment there are a couple of moments where he really demonstrates this so in picard's ready room picard is pressuring him to reveal what happens uh, on Panthara 4, what's the outcome of the decisions they're making for the ecological disaster on Panthara 4? And Rasmussen relies on the Temporal Prime Directive. as he, he doesn't name it directly, but as he has done throughout the episode, if people are asking questions about the future, and he presumed does not know the answers to any of these questions, um, and he smiles his way through it and sort of apologises that he's unable to assist and for good reason because this is going to alter the outcome of the future and he can't he can't do that he's here only to witness so he essentially uses the temporal prime directive and just bluffs picard down he he's not going to help him and he can see that picard's got this big sort of moral conundrum and moral challenge facing him and he doesn't he knows he can't actually explicitly help because he doesn't know what happens but he just sort of smiles and grits his teeth through it and says, I'm really sorry, you're on your own with this. And Picard comes to a conclusion that suits him, that he's going to act. But it has nothing to do with what Rasmussen actually said to him or what Rasmussen did. It's the lack of knowledge that gives Picard confidence to actually go ahead and try something. But in truth, that was a misguided misguided concept, really, because he, he did, Rasmussen had no idea. Rasmussen wasn't holding back information. He didn't know information to hold back. <laughs> so, anyhow, he was very quick on his feet, and it's, it doesn't... it's a big bluff. Yeah, it's a big bluff, but but yeah. it's it's also interesting if you don't know if you really think this guy does have information about the future. It's another interesting example of us being on the other side of the prime directive. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it's a temporal prime directive. Yeah, but it's interesting to see, you know, like like Picard beg for information, 
you know, yeah, when the situation was reversed, he wouldn't do it thing. either. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. But, you know, uh, but, and Rasmussen obviously isn't being honorable and following the temporal prime director. He just is, no, he just doesn't have any it. information to give. But no. Picard doesn't know that. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's his, he is quick thinking then because he's, he's doing his, his, his con. He, like, he doesn't break from his con. Yeah, he doesn't break out. <laughs> I, I thought his quick, his moment of quickest thinking was towards the end of the episode where it's revealed that several items from the Enterprise D have gone missing. And the crew are trying to uh, search his time pod to check if he's stolen them. Mm-hmm. And he very quickly requests that Data be the one yes. to inspect the pod, arguing, well, he doesn't argue, but I mean, it's argued on his behalf that Data could be relied upon to keep to himself what he sees and not reveal any future secrets, which is what Rasmussen is you know, implying. And this is a stroke of genius, really, which distracts the crew and gives the gives Rasmussen the opportunity to capture data mm-hmm. and add him to a cache of stolen items, <laughs> and that is, you know, he's turned he's turned a difficult situation into an opportunity for profits, uh, you know, which would please any Ferengi. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's about to get caught, but maybe he could use this to steal something massive and still leave. <laughs> that's right. He, that's that's his hubris again. He's yeah. going to go for the big <laughs> score. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, he's taking using it as an opportunity to to, to up the ante even even more. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and then and and this is you know this is his undoing because he doesn't know he doesn't know all the factors at hand, and he does give away his you know he does the whole villainous speech when he believes he's gotten away with it, um, <laughs> tells everything that's going on, which he really doesn't have to do because he's played everything so close to his chest and been such a consummate liar seems strange that he would suddenly now decide to start telling the truth. That's what the villain does, man. Yeah, I mean, that's TV villains, isn't that's it? That's TV they, villains. They do, they do TV on. villains 101. <laughs> so he was, he's quick thinking, yeah. but as you say, he, he lacks the real intelligence to back up this quick thinking. Right. And it's only the fact that nobody has any real idea what's going on that allows him <laughs> to continue doing this for such a long time. But as soon as they figure it out, he's finished. Yeah. Yeah, and then Data's just like, you know, uh, I'm assuming your your handprint's going to open that door whether you're conscious or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that could have been much worse. Or yeah. whether it's attached to your wrist or not. I mean, it could have been, could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, Data wouldn't go there, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I love it. Okay. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your moment of quick thinking in Live Fast and Prosper? So... Rasmussen, you know, the, the con artist had to do a lot of quick thinking in a matter of time. Um, you know, uh, that make that makes sense. But I didn't pick our uh, thieves here in Live Fast oh. and, po- and Prosper. The quick thinking category in this episode goes to my man, Tuvok. <laughs> right, okay. We have already mentioned, uh, it was, he's, he's just on fire in this episode. We, we, <laughs> we mentioned earlier his savage burn at the very beginning about, um, you know, how could they have been so naive? <laughs> you know, legitimate question. <laughs> um, but, he, but he has he has two moments here of, of real quick thinking um, that, that, are, that are pretty savage too. Um, and it's funny that to me that Tuvok got some great moments when we have the character of Mobar, who's basically like obsessed with Tuvok, you know, <laughs> yeah, which I just, I just so adore good. that side plot. That's a nice touch. It's such a nice touch. 
one and only. So the the first the first moment is uh, Janeway has um, Dal- Dalla Dalla sister. Yeah, she she has she has fake Janeway <laughs> in in the brig. Janeway, um, <laughs> I love it. Um, and and she's you know trying to get her to to give information give give up where you know where her ship is and her crewmates and trying to you know get more information from her about her cons and everything and um she threatens to give them give her up to the the telzians uh, who i i think are yeah. the, to the bolt to the bolomite miners on, on, Tel, on telzia telzia i don't know whatever um and uh and she's like <laughs> she puts tubak on the spot and says, Tuvok, tell tell her what you learned in your research about Telzian prisons. <laughs> <You know? laughs> she just yeah. totally puts him on the spot, you know, to involve him in her con. Uh, and he comes up with was with, with pretty good. And his total, you know, Tuvok deadpan, beautiful delivery. <laughs> he does, you know, about how prisoners, you know, starve to death, and there's violence and torture. And he, <laughs> he has it with uh, you know, patient uh, prisoners getting the several several incurable forms of psoriasis. <laughs> <laughs> like, and Jay was just like, "That's enough. <laughs> Let's quit while we're at." You know, <laughs> but that that line just kills me because that's that, oh, that's so funny because that's a really and that and see that's why like it's in the details, the, all these cons and all these lies. It's in the details because that 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 really gets your mind going because several forms of of incurable psoriasis. He says like that's. Like what's gonna stick with like you? Like what kind of weird yeah, alien surprises can you get? You know, more than one yeah. type in this prison. Like what's gonna you know, what's gonna happen? <laughs> you know, your mind can really go to like what kind of diseases those really are. Um, <laughs> incurable forms of psoriasis. I love it. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought that was great. And, and you know, and Janeway's like, <laughs> Tuvok's like, you know, you caught me off guard. <laughs> She's like, you did a good job, you know, but you got a little bit, you know, off the rails there at the end. Um, so I thought I that did all right. He did great. It was yeah. that was a quick thinking, you know, because he did it too. He didn't look like you know how sometimes they play it where like the character doesn't know, and they do like a little sideways glance, like uh, and like a uh, you know, before they do the things, so, like you know, they're not that it's a that they're caught off guard. I, I like the way they did it here where they didn't give us that, you know, it's just Tuvok like totally didn't give up the fact that, that he was, ca- you know, that Janeway caught him off guard here. Yeah. Um, which he wouldn't, you know, he's Tuvok. He's <laughs> um, unflappable. Unflappable. Oh, I love it. He's so great. I love Tuvok so much. And then the other quick thinking moment is at the very end uh, where Mobar finally gets to meet his hero Tuvok. <laughs> And he's like, you know, it's like the real, he doesn't say the real, but it's like the real Tuvok. And and he's looking up at him, you know, like you would, like, like they might as well put like a halo around Tuvok. You know? <laughs> the, the way they frame the shots really nice, you know, because he's above Mobar, you know. Yeah. Um, which is really nice. And, 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 but they both have phasers drawn on each other, you mm-hmm. know, and Mobar says something you know, about how, you know, logic dictates, you know, totally, totally trying to be Vulcan. Logic dictates that, that, um, that neither one of us has the upper hand here. Uh, and Tuvok just simply says, your logic is flawed. 
in a savage Tuvok burn, and he 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 shines his flashlight in Mobar's eyes, and then gets him with the uh, with the phaser. So he oh. did have the upper hand because he had the you know he he yeah. his quick thinking was to shine you know shine the light in the, in the yeah. guy's eyes, and then and then you know get him off kilter, and then then phase him. Tuvok's uh, not going to be invested. Tuvok, oh yeah, no fake Tuvok has any chance yeah. against the oh. real Tuvok. Oh, but that character always gets me. He's one of the best parts of this episode. And and it's just funny to watch because Tuvok really did have some great savage moments. And I love it. So Tuvok for me gets that category. Okay. Uh, that's good. I, <laughs> I like that a lot. I like Tuvok's quick thinking. Uh, I do... I do, the thing is, you've picked a really good. You've picked a really good one there. You really put me on the spot now. Uh, points wise, I am gonna give. I am still gonna give my point to Berlinghoff because I feel yeah. like quick thinking is his. That's his gift, and Tuvok has yeah. got so many gifts. I think his main gift is sarcasm, <laughs> but his quick thinking is definitely up there. But this is this is Rasmussen's real, real skill, yeah. and it's only a shame that he hasn't got the the wit or intelligence of Tuvok to really make something of it right. or the integrity of Tuvok to really make something of it because he is cool and quick under pressure. He's not cool and quick. He's quick and cool, <laughs> <laughs> but he can do so much with, you know, such a small amount of information to make it work for him. Yeah. Just he lacks the rest of the package. So I think quick thinking is, is one thing that he's definitely got. So I'm going to give him a point for it. <laughs> Yeah, and some of the best moments in in a matter of time are are just him like totally bullshitting, like like coming up with this. Like I said, yeah. you know, the, like like the the the, the LaForge La remain below. LaForge remain below. Like that's yeah. just that's a quick thing. That's just him him reacting to the situation. What's happening? And it's like, what can I say here to make it seem like I know more than I do? Yeah, <laughs> when he's sitting in ten forward and chatting with Worf and Riker and Crusher. Yeah. And he just comments on, you know, Worf's primitive nature. <laughs> and he's not going on anything other than Worf sitting there being really sneery at him. Yeah. That, and that's it. He, that, he's going off that. And Worf's not primitive. That There right. isn't any truth to what he's saying. But it right. sounds reasonable enough that, he, you know, you can let someone say it and, ha- and get away with it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's good. I, I'm giving it... Um... I, it's hard for me to not give a point to Tuvok. I, I'm I'm a big Tuvok fan, and and I I think that I, I think that he's he he got a lot of l- good little moments in this episode, like under the radar, mm-hmm. which I think is is fun, and yeah. and I like I just love him and Mobar <laughs> are just a highlight of this episode for me. So I'm giving my point to live fast and prosper. He and Mobar are brilliant. <laughs> I'm disappointed in both these episodes we didn't see these characters again. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because yeah, we, right? could have, we could have seen Rasmussen again. Yeah. We could have seen him in a really take a villainous turn. Or we could have seen him yeah. take, take a completely different turn. He could have come back in a number of ways. Yeah. And the Live Fast and Prosper crew, <laughs> we could have seen them again, either pulling the same con or a different con. They could have or, easily know, escaped the Telsians. <laughs> absolutely absolutely just to have seen them again pulling a different con you know yeah. if we, the vo- voyager turns up to a conference or something and they're there and we all know <laughs> that they're not who they say they are it, they could have done so much with it that's of course, funny ne- never voyages lot to to revisit yeah, the interesting true. enemies anyway 
After four rounds, we are tied up at Ooh, four. Right. The, the final round is is the tiebreaker round. Okay. What do you have for comeuppance? Ooh, what happens to okay. our, our con artists at the end? So they, they, you know, they con the con artists here at the end. They come up with a, with a good the good plan. Um, they they get you know they have they have the fake Janeway in custody. So they um, you know and then they're trying to find the fake Delta Flyer, the fake other crewmen and where all the stolen goods are because that that's one of the reasons the uh the telzians are working with them they promise like we'll find your bowl night you know and everything else, and everything else, you know and obviously they want to find everything else that they stole from who knows at this point how many people how many worlds um so it starts off with neelix neelix comes in uh under the pretext pretext of uh you know giving her some food you know when he's serving up a little ham scammy here uh getting her to talk you know and 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 he's got this phaser which he normally doesn't wear you know just just like hanging off his belt all nice and obvious you yeah know? it was and, very mirror universe yeah yeah <laughs> and, and she takes that bit you know but she doesn't know that and, and she takes the bait right away um and mobile would have known mobile, mobile would have Carry, they usually don't carry phasers. Oh my shit. goodness, he would have. Yeah, because that's against <laughs> protocol, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And yeah, so she, so she steals Neelix's um, uh, phaser, which was their plan, and and she, um, you know, and they let her escape with the Delta Flyer, and she thinks that she's escaped. But meanwhile, Tom Paris and the EMH are stowed away on the delta flyer um they figure that she's going to lead them to you know where where the uh, stolen goods and the rest of the criminal criminals are um so it's it's nice that both neelix and tom paris have a hand in the plan um you know to try to get a little bait back mm-hmm. <laughs> from getting scammed earlier so i i really like that they both get to play a role in the plan um so you know they they still weigh and and tom uh, you know turns on the emh with his mobile emitter and and they set him to look like dala and um you know and subdue her and then he you know he then the tables are turned right <laughs> he, he yep. seals her identity um and and that leads to them finding you know the stolen goods and the other criminals and and they get taken into custody and we don't know that they don't specify what happens to them they specify uh, jane way mentions in her captain's log that they returned all the stolen goods to to this, you know, seven different worlds that, that got their goods taken, um, that got scammed by these people, and they explained to everyone that it wasn't the Federation, and hopefully restored the Federation's good name. Um, they don't specify what happened to our fake crew, which I, I'm so I'm I'm assuming they they were turned over to the Telzians, um, and hopefully their prisons are nothing like the prisons that uh, mm, Tuvok yeah. beat up. Feeling a bit itchy just thinking about that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so, I mean, they get caught, they get their stuff stolen, taken back. And so they get their comeuppance. We don't know their final fate, you know, how, what they were sentenced to or anything, but I'd like to think that they, you know, serve their time and then go back and start doing, they probably start, start 
con doing more cons again. I don't think she learned anything. I think Mo maybe Mobar learned something from his time uh, studying it the Federation, but I don't think Dala did. <laughs> I, I think if Mobar had been in that jail cell, he would have joined the crew and just been yes. a crewman. I think so too. He, he's done it. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they got Dala. Oh, um, no, that's funny. Mobile would have yeah. stayed. I think you're right. I think it would have. And I think he could have turned over New Leaf. I don't think there's anything. We don't see him yeah. do anything. We don't see any of them do anything like like violent. They're obviously criminals, but but there's, there's, there's nothing irredeemable about no. You know what I'm saying? I, like I definitely got a Neelix vibe from Mobile. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, and just the fact that he does, you know, maybe he just never had a chance to to know anything as good as the Federation and Starfleet and you know, maybe that maybe just studying that for a while maybe put something in his mind that that maybe he wants to choose a different path after he serves his time. That's my hope for Mobar. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> Okay. And we never, there's another guy, and he at one time he pretends to be Chakotay, but we, we uh, don't yeah. ever really get to know too much about him. No. He's, just, he's just there. But, yeah, uh, he's just another really another know. person yeah. as part of the, the conning team. Yes. <laughs> the three man con team, you know, three person con, con, uh, con team. But, yeah, so, uh, so they get their comeuppance, they get, they get a fast one pulled on them, and Neelix and Tom get to help, so they, you know, Reclaim they some redeem of themselves. Redeem yeah. themselves. <laughs> I mean, uh, Neelix does a great job yeah. in the in the brig. He does a great job of setting Dollar up. He, he, he really he does it really well. Yeah, he's good at that too. Like yeah. he's he's got the gift of gab too. He's so, got it because he wasn't. He was telling the truth. Like yeah, you know, this is what this was my experience. It yeah, could have gone very differently for her been, if she yeah. hadn't done that. Right. Okay. So. Um, in a matter of time, the comeuppance is much more swiftly delivered and doesn't involve <laughs> any real um, turning of the tables other than the sort of recognition that all the cards were never really in Berlinghoff Rasmussen's hands anyway. <laughs> um, things are going missing. He's the obvious suspect. Despite trying to make a getaway, he is arrested because as soon as he opens his uh, shuttle pod, the computer can scan inside, identifies the fact all the missing things are in there, turns off anything dangerous so he can't use it. Um, he doesn't know any of this has happened, but Data does know it's happened because he knows how the ship works. So Data goes in with him. He's not threatened. He... He ensures that Rasmussen is arrested, and it's quite, quite terrible, really, because they take Rasmussen out of his time pod, and he begs to go back in because he knows that in a moment it's automatically going to return to its preset coordinates, and it does, vanishes from the shuttle bay, and leaves him stranded in the twenty fourth century, and this indignity is furthered by a scathing comment by Picard. That real historians historians may be eager to speak with him, yeah. a man from his era, which just seemed overly harsh. Oh man! <laughs> um, it's it. I mean, and then they drop him off at Starbase Two One Four for whatever trial and punishment the Federation consider appropriate. I mean, he's trapped out of time. That's a substantial punishment mm -hmm. for what's essentially petty larceny, right. but. The temporal repercussions for what he was doing, 
could have been absolutely massive. So, you know, it's not just a, he's not just stealing things, which, you know, he would get a, a minimal sentence, if any, uh, by the Federation. It's it's the it's breaking the temporal prime directive and trying to go back in time and then kidnapping, kidnapping someone. Yeah. That's that's serious. You, you can't just do that. Um, yeah, because he tried so, to do to data what happened to him. You know, he tried to take data back with <laughs> to a yeah, different time. Exactly. And, to tra- trap him out of time. Yeah. And, and and like we said, he I mean, it's implied that he murdered the original time traveler. Yes. And maybe <laughs> they kidnapped him and tied him up somewhere and took his clothes and his time machine. I don't know. <laughs> you know, no, he's not a murderer. Have, he's not a I good mean, guy. Is there is there a statute of limitations on this? I mean, <laughs> Is he going to get tried for the murder? You know, do we finally, you know, this unsolved crime from yeah. 300 years ago, can we finally shed some light on this? But then is that something that the Federation, do they feel they've got juris- jurisdiction over that? You know, Giorgio yeah. gets a free pass, it seems. She commits a lot of crimes yeah. in her own time slash dimension. And that's all right. That's okay. <laughs> that's a good point. It's not really their jurisdiction, I guess. No. Um, so he gets... I mean, what happens to him is pretty serious. He's, yeah. you know, his life is t- his entire life, and there's no hope of going back. Yeah. And if yeah, this time travel doesn't exist in the twenty fourth. <laughs> yeah. At least as a uh, everyday thing. <laughs> no, it's everyday occurrence. He he is out of time, and he hasn't chosen to do this. Where you know, yeah. Julian Taylor in uh, the one with the whales, <laughs> she's she's choosing to right. to be stuck in a different time. She makes that conscious choice. Because she wants to find out about the future and she wants to find out about the whales, probably this is the best thing that's ever happened to Rasmussen. Yeah. He's probably going to serve minimal time in the cushy federation, you know, that lovely one that they took Tom Paris from at the beginning of Caretaker. Right. That's, that's what's in my head too, yeah. <laughs> and then his life's going to be amazing. He's yeah. never going to want for anything. He can do whatever he wants. If he wants to invent something, he can. Yeah. He can sit down and invent something. Yeah, I mean, it might turn out to be the best thing that ever happened to him, like you said. Yeah. Um, but I, I still like he's a bad dude. But every time that ship disappears, like I said, it, it you know just it makes me like like it just get, like existentially is just it's terrifying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know to think and about then, it, and that's why he, I, I, it made it even worse. So just him checking his watch. I, I like him checking his watch all the time. Um, and then he he, he's playing with fire it, all the way through that episode, yeah. really, isn't he? But I feel like I can feel the same way. Like, like, you know, you know, when the the Ferengi gets stuck the in the Delta Quadrant uh, through the bars yeah. and the wormhole, like I, it's, I get that same feeling when the wormhole closes and when the shuttle disappears. You know, it's just like dread, the sense of like dread, you know, like goes through my body. Um, yeah, like to to be it, stuck, yeah. to be completely displaced yeah. from your home. Right. Permanently now. Yeah. And that's happened in a blink of an eye. Yeah. And that couldn't really happen to us. Right. Right. It, you know, there, there's very weird circumstances that that might happen to you on Earth at the moment. Yeah. But there's no chance you'd be trapped, you know, billions of kilometers away from the Earth. Yeah, just knowing you can never time. get home ever. No. Yeah. But, uh, or, and then no, you can speak to your entire family, you know, because even if yeah. I was stuck in, I don't know, Morocco, <laughs> but, you know, if I was stuck there yeah. for, for months and months, just like, uh, what am I thinking of? What's the film where they're stuck in Morocco and they can't get out? Casablanca. Casablanca. <laughs> 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 
I'm stuck in Morocco. I'll yeah. be FaceTiming. I'll be on every yeah. day, like, right. how are the kids? What's going on? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is. I mean, he's a bad dude, but yeah, that's that's harsh. Yeah. Oh, and scary. But you're right. It's it's also it is a little bit better too that he is stuck in in the future. I mean. Yeah. It, it, like it's a better place than the 22nd yeah. century. It is. It is. I mean. <laughs> If oh, that was going to happen to me, yeah. I'd be like, well, grin and bear, eh? Yeah. Uh, but we I mean, don't probably, know. He could, he, yeah. he could have his own kids. He could have his own family he's missing out. Yeah. We don't know. Could, you know, this could be serious. Yeah. What if he's got a family that needs someone looking after them? Yeah. You know, it's not really, it's not really good enough to say this is good for him because actually, what if he's well, left yeah. children unattended? That right, could be right. sad. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, this is we just don't know. Time. It's a very sad. It's actually a pretty dark ending. Yeah, because you're and you and you're right. Like the welcome to the 24th century is is like that is harsh. That's like as harsh yeah. as Picard gets. Like, yeah, you know? that is it. I mean, kick a man when he's down. Picard. Right. I mean, Picard, Picard's had a win. Right, I mean, and we've right. not talked at all. I mean, we've I've gone up very much talking about the con side of this. Yeah, but there's a whole other B plot. <laughs> which is occurring at the same time where they're trying to save uh, the people of Pentara Oh my goodness, yes. From the ecological disaster. Yes. We've not discussed this. I mean, Picard's on a win. He must be on a buzz because <laughs> he's literally just saved this whole planet. No thanks to Rasmussen. Yeah, this is a challenging day for Picard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, all, all terrible decisions to make. Millions of lives at stake. Yeah. Also, there happens to be a, an errant time traveller aboard. Right. I mean, it's just standard day in the life of a starship yeah, i mean how often is it roll. that these two these two nightmare science fiction scenarios cross paths right. <laughs> you know because realistically you know episode of the week this is two episodes that we've merged together yeah why do we an episode where a man travels back in time but he's really from he travels back in time but he's really from the past also let's have an ecological disaster on a planet that has to be you know solved with various kinds of photon right. torpedoes and drilling and the greenhouse effect. Um, you know, <laughs> two episodes, we'll put those together. Yeah. We'll put those two together. And the moment they cross is really significant. Yeah. But otherwise, they have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> right. Oh, man. All right. Points wise. Points wise. Points. Come up as. Uh, I think. I think. The peop- I mean, the, the comeuppance in the Voyager episode is poetic. It's poetic yes. justice. Um, the genuine con artists are genuinely conned. It's fun <laughs> and it's clever. And it's, it's a, you know, it's what you want to see in, in a con film, isn't it? You want to see the con artist being conned. So <laughs> it's, it's going to get my point. Oh, that's interesting. I'm giving my point to Matter of Time. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, because I—I I mean, what a harsh comeuppance he got. Um, I don't know why that's my criteria for for giving just, this a I was say, it's too harsh. Too harsh. Comeuppance is is way out I of proportion. It, it is. It is. I I likely like it's definitely like live fast and prosper. Like you said, it's definitely poetic justice, uh, the way they do it. But this is like, I don't know. It's it's, it's a memorable ending. 
Don't cross Jen. Is the response. Don't don't cross <laughs> I'm Jen. Not anyone. Saying they did the right thing because she is gonna just the worst. What's the worst thing? Cast him out. Exile. <laughs> I'm definitely not saying they did the right thing, but I don't know what. I, but like, what else could they do? What else could you do? Like, just send him back. But no, and then he's gonna come. And then he's gonna go to the to a different future and do this to somebody else. Data should have told him to pause the machine, but then he wouldn't have paused the machine, would he? He'd have yeah. just gone back in time. Oh yeah. Ooh. He'd have just used the opportunity to leave. To leave, yeah. With data. Yeah. 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 Oh, crumbs. Mm. They ha- I mean, they had to take him off. They had to I take guess, him off the yeah. ship. I mean, re- in reality, data could have data could have gone in the time machine and then brought it back. Yeah. Oof. Oh, yeah, that's right. Data would have figured out how to use the yeah, time data, machine. Yeah, data would have been back 30 he seconds would've, He would have just Vulcan chopped and he, and he said, <laughs> the guy's I've neck. Spent, and... I've spent 15 years living in... The twenty second century, yeah, and then just come back thirty minutes lovely. later. Yeah, it was enlightening. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my, yeah. I just, it's just very, it's a very stark and memorable ending. Like it really, like it's, it's a good it's, ending. Yeah, it's it's just some very. I think it's. I think that's what. I think it's just maybe the nostalgia factor, the fact that, that ending has stuck with me. You know, since I watched it. For the first time. How old? When did that episode come out? 91. 91. So, yeah, I was pretty young when that came yeah. out. So that maybe that's what, maybe I was just, I was very, I mean, that's a scary, that was a scary ending to me. Like, that's scary. Yeah. And dark. First day, first day, 18th of November, I'd have been, I'd have been 10, but uh, I probably wouldn't have seen it on its first airing. I probably wouldn't have seen it until about three years later oh, okay. when it aired yeah. in the UK. Yeah, I was, I was I was like twelve or thirteen, I guess. But um but yeah. Oh man. You're right. It's like does the fun- punishment fit the crime? I, I think I think probably not. Yeah. But I think if if he it, it doesn't fit the larceny or the it doesn't fit the right. con. But if he is, if he's trying to mess with time, mess if with he's trying to mess line. with the temporal prime directive, then yes, maybe you shouldn't have it. You shouldn't be allowed to just wander off in a time machine. And yeah. we are going to keep you here where we know how to deal with this and we know not to do this. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, they're probably not going to turn them over. Uh, turn them, well, I guess they'll turn them over to historians, but they're really going to turn them over to... Um, Feed them to the historians. Temporal, temporal, <laughs> <laughs> temporal investigations, right? Our yeah. buddy, our buddies from uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, Dolmer and Luxley. Yes, <laughs> they're definitely gonna have something to say to this guy. Yeah, and and the the truth is, he didn't mess with the timeline. He just tried yeah. to, unless this wasn't the first time he's done this. It seems like it is. It does based seem what, like based, it is. based on what he says to Data at the end. It seems, and like it's this a stu- and it's a stupid. I mean, a terrible time yeah. and place to come up yeah. and do this. He, he really hasn't thought this out. He, he should have just went to Jersey. Jersey. Like, if he was, yeah. in, he should have just stayed in Jersey and just, just the like, future like, of New Jersey. Just, yeah. just appeared there, like in and the just time like, machine. Took the, like pickpocketed around. people. Yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd have appeared inside somebody's flat. Yeah, just steal a replicator and a transporter pad and get back right. in. <laughs> right. But he obviously has a transporter because he used it to beam. To beam into Picard's, uh, oh, yeah. into where Picard was standing. That's right. So he obviously already has to. I don't know. Oh, I, I love it. Oh, that's funny. 
All right. Well, Maybe he was in it for the sport. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. All right, so we're still tied. Oh, still tied. Goodness. Um, <laughs> we didn't consider a tiebreaker for this. No. And I have to say, I, I didn't really know. I didn't have any preconceived conceptions of who was going to win or no, lose me this. Neither. Should we just accept it as a tie? Well, and <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, because it was. I was going to say, like, I just giving us the name Professor Brolinhoff Rasmussen <laughs> is, is great. <laughs> but also just the title of the episode, Live Fast and Prosper, is equally great. Like, what a great title for an episode. <laughs> that is a great title for an episode. I, I love it I love so that. much. <laughs> I think it's quite meta. I think it's quite, yeah, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I like that a lot. So they both have given us some good, fun names and... <laughs> Meta things, yeah. So I think I think we just call this one a draw. You know, we we got we might have gotten a little bit, you know, a little bit con pulled one over on us, but in the end, (laughs) we redeemed ourselves. Right? Here's there's one thing I wanted to mention. I was just in the research for this when uh, when when Rasmussen is listing off notable blind people. Oh yeah. He he mentions Homer Milton. Monet and Wonder, and I didn't. It took me about an hour to clock who Wonder was, and Stevie I was like, Wonder? "It means Stevie, Stevie Wonder." Wonder. <laughs> and I was like, "Does it?" And I looked on Memory Alpha, and it is Stevie Wonder, and oh, he's got his great. own. He's got his own entry on Memory Alpha. That's Stevie great. Wonder. He's canon. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, which I just thought was amazing. And then I thought, why didn't they call the episode "Yes to Me, Yes to You, Yesterday"? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> but I just like, I love the fact they reference Stevie Wonder. I mean, I wonder how you feel about that, I wonder. Um, how you feel as a as a human 20, you know, as a 21st century human, 20th century human, how do we feel about you being actually name dropped in an episode of Star Trek? Yeah. Now, Elon Musk is getting name dropped left and right now in Discovery. Um, Stephen Hawking appeared as himself. But Stevie Wonder... He's one of the few people who's been genuinely name dropped in an episode of Star Trek. He's canon. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, I like that. I like that. I like that pip <laughs> of having Stevie Wonder being made canon. Okay. Well, we are. We did it. We, we, we've we've successfully conned our way out of this episode. We conned our way out of it. What are we doing for the next episode? We, you know, we we broke even. That's the best you we can did. do when you're dealing with con, with con men and con people. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't play a player. <laughs> <That's all right>. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that it's a tie now. <laughs> um, all right. Good. Now that we've finished with the old business, on to the new. Time to hand out next month's story assignments. Ritterhouse, we're waiting. Okay, friends and neighbors. Let's see what Uncle Roy has for you today. In the next episode of Snap Track. We are dealing with one extra or one less crew person, and we end up with different crew persons as we compare Enterprise's similitude with the Voyager's Tuvix. Oh my God, are we is, really doing this? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we've done the con, we've done a con arts episode. Oh, now we've got to go no. serious, hyper yeah, serious, hyper serious. Let's oh, let's take it to that level. We'll finally have right. that discussion about. About Tuvok you know, and Neelix's. We've got we to gotta have a conversation, right? we yeah. got to do it. We'll get oh it done. God. Yeah. 
and we'll right. see what happens. It should be yeah. an interesting conversation. And the, <laughs> the, that can't be a draw because there, no. must, there must be an answer. Yeah. There must be an answer. <laughs> that one has to be resolved. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I mean, it's only been 25 years. I'm sure we'll resolve it now. <laughs> okay. Oh man, Jen, is there anything else you'd like to do or say? No, I, that's it. This was this was a fun conversation, and thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Live fast and prosper. You're going to give me a detailed account of everyone you cheated and exactly what you did with their property. Why would I do that? Because if you don't, I'm turning you over to Telzian security. Oh, is that supposed to frighten me? How much do you know about the Telzians? Just that there are more gullible species than most. Tell her about your research, Mr. Tuvok. I beg your pardon, Captain. On Telzian law, I think it's only fair that we let our guests know what to expect. The Telzian criminal justice system is rather barbaric. Tell her about the prisons barely habitable. Inmates often die of malnutrition before they are brought to trial. Torture is commonplace, as is disease, including several incurable forms of psoriasis. I think she gets the general idea. 